0: Gonzaga Nation SIA, Dan Dickow, Adam Morrison. This time we're going to preview San Francisco-Gonzaga. I know we touched on this series a week or two ago. Then the game was postponed. But this time the game is on. Instead of uh, Gonzaga having a long break uh, where they were initially supposed to play Pacific, then that game was postponed. It's now San Francisco traveling to Spokane to play Gonzaga Thursday night, 8 p.m., CBS sports network, Adam Morrison joins as usual, Adam, USF they're pretty good this year. What's your early take on USF leading into this game and what are your expectations from Gonzaga?
1: Uh, It's going to be, you know, like the BYU game was in theory, it's going to be a a game with two highly skilled teams that can get up and down the floor. Um, San Francisco um, at one point was getting, you know, top 25 votes, this year, I think, I believe they're still in the top 40. So this is a very good, uh, highly skilled basketball team. I always like the stuff they run when they had Frankie Ferrari the years prior. Um, so they run a lot of similar stuff to Gonzaga, four round one, lets your point guard come off a of pick and roll, make decisions, space the floor. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one. I like when the league is better. And so it's nice to see another team besides BYU St. Mary's. I'm happy San Francisco's where they're at, and I'm glad the game is uh, back on.
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, you, you mentioned Frankie Ferrari. I agree. He was a fun point guard to watch. Uh, he, not to mention, he had a tremendous last name uh, yeah. that, that broadcasters like to kind of uh, talk about throughout the broadcast. But they've got another great point guard this year in, in Jamari Bouye. He was a senior last year. These COVID rules give you an extra year. He has really improved his game. He's bolstered his leadership. Todd Golden is, is completely given him the reins. What makes that extra year so vital for a college player? Because he's 22, 23 years old now playing against a lot of 19-year-olds. How well, big of an advantage is that?
1: I think just one body type. I mean, we've all been in there, whether you're an athlete or not, you go from – 19 year old body to 22, 23 year old body. That's a huge difference. Um, you know, in, in the physicality you can, uh, you know, impose on other people and then what you can um, provide to your team night to night and energy wise. Um, and then leadership, I mean, he's probably in the, just like some of our guys, where he's probably played 100 to 120 college basketball games. So he's seen every situation for the most part. And, um, you know, he can lead you know, obviously by example and experience. So I think just having that extra year and especially in a, like I said, in a point guard run system, kind of like ours, where a lot of the actions come off what the point guard reads and sees having that extra year is just such a huge bonus.
0: The other thing about USF is they're so analytically driven. Uh, Todd Golden, one of the youngest head coaches in division one, really believes in the value of the three-point shot. They shoot it around 40% from beyond the arc. They average about 10 made threes per game. When you were a player, how much did you look at the numbers as far as, hey, I want to get this many threes up against this opponent or I need to take away these threes from from our opponent?
1: Uh, I think that's all really changed in the last – decade so I, when I was playing if you weren't a, like a 33% and above three point shooter you're kind of discouraged from shooting it and then you know there'd be times where if we got 23s up a night and that wasn't very much it'd be like hey we're shooting too many threes now there's benchmarks right yeah. <laughs> We want to shoot 25, not bad ones but 20 of them need to be really good and maybe five bad ones are out of context or late clock or two for ones or whatever. Um, so that that part of the game is kind of foreign to me, to be honest, like the only guy when I was playing that had the green light to shoot multiple threes consistently was Derek Rabiot, and They used to tell him to shoot 10 because that was his kind of his game at that time. Now, you know, as he got older, he could get into the paint. He had a nice float game. He had a layup package. But at the time they looked at him as, hey, if he's coming off our flex action stuff that we used to run he should shoot 10 threes because he was like a 40, 40 to 42%. So, like I said, I only shot probably three a game, maybe four. And especially my sophomore and freshman year, I was only a, I was a sub 40 three point shooter. So I didn't really shoot a lot. So to be honest, I'd look at some of this stuff and I'm like, man, it would have been fun to just let <laughs> them rip and without any consequence. Um, but I mean, you understand the analytics part, the uh, effective field goal percentage. Um, you know, if you shoot 30 of them and you make 12, I know that sounds like a bad percentage, but it's 36 points, obviously. So like you can have a bad shooting night and still get a chunk of your, um, you know, your scoring from that. Um, so it is different. Um, you know, what do you think about it as yourself, as a former, you know, point guard, but a scoring point guard who shot a lot of threes? I mean, like, is it foreign to you too? Because I mean, when you play, they're probably like, Dan, you only shoot threes and Blake and then.
0: Kyle yeah. Bankhead, you know what i mean like yeah it's one of those things where like i i i like going back and and thinking about the what if but it's also hard because it's so different the game is different i mean yeah. we were we were more flex oriented than your groups were um you guys were a little bit more uh space it and give you angles or wide pin downs give you reads read options whether you curl or you fade and pop and, and shoot where um I did have the freedom to shoot a lot of threes in transition I proved that out in in practices to coach few um, so mo- a, a lot of my threes honestly came in transition where I would probe and I'd weave and I'd rub the the defender in in a drag screen situation and create some opportunities um, you know but I look at now like Dude, give, give me 12 threes a game. I, I, would, yeah. I would I I would would have a smile uh, all day long knowing I was getting 12 threes. Um, but if, if the game's different, the game's changed for, for good or bad, it's still to be determined. I guarantee you there's going to be another shift and another change in the next seven or eight years where one team has a dominant post player or they come up yeah. with a new scheme. And as basketball is like most sports, it's a copycat sport. Something works. You gravitate and you trend, you tend in that trend in that direction. Uh, It'll go back in some way, shape, or form. Um, What I hope stays true when that change happens is that the truly great shooters continue to have the freedom. Because right now, I think too many guys have the freedom to shoot that shot. Would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I think that's
1: a a very good point. That you watch a lot of games, um, you know, covering them. I do as well, and you're just you know, some of these guys and it's not a knock on them as an amateur athlete or anything like that, but it's just like, you shouldn't be shooting five threes a game. Um, but the analytics tell you that it's okay. But then if you're just your eyeballs tell you or your basketball IQ is like, that is bad shot out of context. That's not, not good basketball or what have you. Cause a lot of times, as you know, like a, a three point shot leads to long rebounds. And if you play a fast team like Gonzaga we want those, we're going to go clean it up. We're plus 11 on the glass on the season on average. So then let's get out and run and it leads to, sometimes I was always told, you know, bad three point shot is kind of almost like a turnover that leads to a fast break. But now, like we, like we at Ford mentioned, it's like, go ahead and take it. And, and so sometimes you get a mix of, it could bleed into being bad basketball. Yeah. Um, with the idea that we're doing it the right way for analytics. So it's always a fine balance, obviously, you know, but then it's always funny. What if you, you know, what if you're a team that's uh, obviously outmatched um, personnel wise and you shoot 35 a game and you have a night, you score you make 20 of them. And then you upset somebody in the tournament. Then that's the counterbalance. To it. it's like, well, look at my personnel. I can't pound it inside. I can't take 14 foot contested two. So I'm going to shoot 35, 40 of them that you get the logic of that from a coaching standpoint. I do as well. So it really is a fine balance. But, yeah, there's some games where I'm like, man, this guy shouldn't be allowed to shoot at all.
0: <laughs> 100%. And and that kind of leads to the next topic that I have. Um, we st- we're starting to get some questions uh, on social media in regards to what your thoughts and my thoughts are on different things, whether it's Gonzaga or basketball related in general. Um, the first question came in it actually touches on shooting. Um, and the question was how much mechanic changes can you make in someone's jump shot during the season? Um, and I think they're alluding to Hunter Salas because when I saw his his high school highlights, he kind of had that chicken wing going with his jump shot. His elbow was out. His mechanics have gotten much better over the last couple months. I've been impressed with that, but what's your take?
1: It's so an interesting question. I mean, obviously for college I think you can mess with it a little bit I always tell guys and younger players mechanics to me are not as important if you can get the shot off in time right to me we've all seen guys with different type of shots but if they get it off at the speed of division one or uh, even high school varsity then why does it matter and if it goes in why does it matter now if it's completely messed up I think it's a slow working progress that you have to do during the season and it literally just takes reps um you know it's always it's always a fine line to me though of messing with somebody's head during the season uh, mechanic wise right because then you could put yourself into a slump uh, mentally about uh, you know overthinking when you shoot the basketball you know how it is you gotta have a clear mind when you're a shooter it's just plain and simple even if you're a guy only shoot five six times a night you gotta have a clear mind and forget the misses before um, so to answer that question, I know in long form on it, I think you kind of just have to do it slowly um, throughout the season and, and encourage a lot of confidence. Um, but again, if he can get it off during the game and within the context of the game, to me, what does it matter how it looks? If that makes sense?
0: No, you're right. I mean, I, I think the 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 best fundamental form of a shooter I've ever seen is Clay Thompson. He's yeah. one of the five best shooters of all time. I think. Fundamentally, one of the the most awkward looking shots I've ever seen, Peja Stojakovic, yet he was probably a top 10 shooter of all time as well. So there is a fine line about fundamentals, mechanics, and and results, because at the end of the day, it's results, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we've all played against guys that had funky shots. I mean, it's like Kevin Martin in the NBA that used to do the, you know, the side widener sling and he used to get buckets in the NBA.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, they talk about Jamal Wilkes. I know that's going way back, but I mean, I if you watch some of those highlights, that shot looked broke, but it went in and it, was, it had chicken wing as well. Um, so it, to me, it's like, you know, you can get obsessed with being perfect. You know, I was always told like, I had a sidewinder when I was growing up and I just moved my elbow in a little bit and just moved my pocket. But like my dad was always like, you don't have to be like perfectly angled. Like who cares? Just yeah. if it goes in and you can get it off. So hopefully um, you mentioned, as Hunter Salas earlier, I think he's really improved his shot. I watch him before the game and I'm always looking like, okay, does his form look good? Does it look good coming off his hand? It does. And that's not just me saying that because we're on a Gonzaga Uh, podcast it it looks like he's working on it Um, and in games he hasn't shot any like terrible ones Um, I think he's just a dry first and like a ghost cut guy now he's only a freshman he's still young he's making plays Um, so it's one of those deals where like keep giving it time and by next year if he puts in the reps this summer we won't even talk about his jumper we'll talk about the makes you know things of that nature
0: Yep. Last question that came in was, I know you guys are Gonzaga, true and true, but if you had to pick another WCC school, not dependent on basketball program, what WCC school would you have gone to?
1: Is this uh, uh, San Diego? Like,
0: <laughs> is that really, does
1: anybody even, like, is that even a, a debate? I mean, obviously – malibu for pepperdine but uh yes usd would be my first first and only choice
0: first and only choice wow so i'm a toss-up i mean pepperdine with malibu i almost went there out of high school you're right it's amazing um it's a toss-up to me usd or lmu because i I love la lmu is not that far from the beach um you know but (laughs) i think at the end of the day adam i think i'm right there with you usd would be hard to beat that city's amazing
1: yeah, no, that's amazing. And it's a beautiful campus as well. And, you know, you got the beach. And then if you want to go the, you know, the state school route, you got San Diego State right down the road. It's a win win, you know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, for another episode of Gonzaga Nation SI, Dan Dickow and Adam Morrison, we're bringing it two times a week content wise. You got a question? Send it our way. If not, like, subscribe, and review on all the Gonzaga Nation channels. And don't forget to check out Sack and Jack, the new release from former Zag, Rob Sacre, as well as Jack Ferris. For another episode, appreciate it. Take care.